0: Welcome to Code Gray's, an episode-by-episode episode recap of classic Grays Anatomy. My name is Patrice Anthony, and I'm joined by Teresa Rosato and... <rebooted voice> Megan Totsky! <laughs> <Tops is>
1: back! <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Insert air horns here. <laughs> And today we're recapping season 3 episode 10, Don't Stand So Close to Me, a song by the Police. Don't stand. Don't stand. Don't stand so close to me. Very fitting for these quarantine times. But also my I internet love it. is
1: really bad down here, so every time you guys
0: freeze like you did right now, I'm just going to keep talking. That sounds that sounds right. You should probably do that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Megan, hi. Hi, guys. I'm so happy to be back. How are you? I also feel like it's abundantly clear to our audience that we've all been inside for weeks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What? No way. Is it?
3: What are you
0: saying? This is how I normally am.
2: I'm super happy to be back, and this is, like, such an appropriate quarantine episode, (laughs) because it's all about being too close to people.
0: (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes. That's... We've been very excited to talk about it. Although I would love
0: to be close to either of you right now, I know the oh, irony me of it
1: too. We oh. could be snugged up doing a Grey's Anatomy marathon. Oh. <sighs> um, Megan, yes. how have you been for our listeners who have missed you? You know, so much.
2: <laughs> I was, I was doing really well. And yeah. then the whole world shut down, and now it's less sure. well. <laughs> um, I have been missing this podcast and missing you guys, and in the time when we are all locked up in our houses. I think that like being in isolation makes me feel both like way further away from people and also way closer to people. And so... I'm excited to be back here to see you guys and feel a little bit closer during a time when I feel like that's extra, extra important, and to participate in my favorite form of escapism, old Grey's Anatomy <laughs> episodes.
1: <laughs> man, I watched the, uh, well, what is now the season finale for the most recent season, season 16 of Grey's Anatomy. I watched Ooh. it with my partner, Gina, and I have not <laughs> seen it is yet. a shit show, man. Wow. <laughs> Woo I haven't seen you there's there. a lot going on. I'm catching up right now.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm a few episodes <laughs> behind too. Um Yeah. But
1: it's gotten weird.
2: <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's
1: it is this has been a pretty I'm excited weird for season. one decade from now for us to be talking about <laughs> season sixteen <laughs> <laughs> when the show is in season twenty six. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I man. Like, They're honestly. taking some
0: weird turns on the show right now. It makes me I know feel like it's not I'm like it's gonna wrap. up Are you up guys gonna soon. make it? Yeah.
1: Oh my god! First a pandemic, and then like, what if Grey's Anatomy doesn't exist anymore? Right? That's a lot for the world to take all at once. Let's not talk about it. That's too it's dark. Too much. Yeah, <laughs> it's too far.
0: <laughs> my fragile <laughs> emotional well being cannot handle <laughs> the thought. <laughs>
1: So I think we gotta do um I think we just gotta do a round ro- a round robin quarantine check-in um before we get into this episode. uh, what are we doing to cope this week mm.
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: Maybe an easier question is like what have we had an irrational response to this week? <laughs> no, let's not
0: do that. <laughs> There'd be too many.
1: It just feels like we don't even really have to think about that. It could be, any, <laughs> it could be anything, anything. This morning
0: <laughs> I couldn't find my cat, and my irrational response was that she was obviously dead. So, <laughs> So then I looked for her for 15 minutes, and I couldn't find her anywhere. And when I went back upstairs the second time, she was just lying casually on my bed. she's playing you um
2: something i'm doing oh something good Um, happened yesterday so one of the i have a very very big dog and he's basically like holding down the ford of this household right now (laughs) it's a lot of pressure on hank's back um but we have not been able to bathe him because everywhere is closed and then yesterday we found a place that was doing very safe dog baths at like a social distancing and so we were able to wash the dog and that's like i mean that
1: (laughs) that brought a lot of joy
2: to our house (laughs) there's that bar there's that bar (laughs) we
1: washed our fucking dog now he
2: only (laughs) smells like a dog and not like a dog covered in poop (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna sustain me for days (laughs)
0: That's great! Wow. no, that's really good. Yeah. Beautiful, yeah.
2: beautiful.
1: So, it's pretty great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the irrational response, um, which is yesterday, I went to my neighborhood basketball court to shoot some hoops. Was really excited. Got some new kicks. Very pumped to break them in, and lo, what do I find but a basketball court full of young men playing pickup basketball. No despite the signs literally on each side of the court, right on the hoop, right on the hoop saying, protect our rims, don't play group sports. I cried about it when I walked back to my house because I know that our basketball courts are going to get shut down and there's going to be a time probably in the next week when I walk out to that court and I'm going to get there and the rims will have been removed Ooh, from the backboards. Yep. And I don't know what's going to happen in that moment, friends. But <laughs> We can yes. report back next week on that moment. It was a lot. I went through, I think, all of the stages of grief on a park bench watching them play. I really felt the teacher in me threatening to jump out because I just wanted to really described to them that I wasn't mad, but I was disappointed Mm -hmm. in their choices and in the way they're endangering themselves and their families. And also, I don't understand why 18 to 22-year-olds, the group I have chosen to dedicate my life to, cannot consider and value Long-term consequences over instant gratification. You mean the giant hole where their frontal lobe belongs? Yep. That's the one? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think that's I had like a, a moment talking to my quote. partner, <laughs> where I was like, "Why have I decided to do what I've decided to do with my life?" Yeah. <laughs> that's um. That's
2: one of Jacob's, my husband's favorite quotes. Is he says, "Who's more selfish than a college student?" Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's more selfish than a college-age student.
1: It's so rough. Like, true. And on most days, that is my favorite, I mean, that is my favorite age group. Oh, yeah. But yesterday, I was really like, fuck these kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to help any of you ever again. <laughs> that's your
0: favorite age group? I do. Wow.
1: I love particularly 18 to 20-year-olds. They're just, they're so fresh and excited to be part of the world, to mm. learn and do, and it's awesome. Yeah. It's very exciting, sure. but... Oh, they're so dumb all the time! <laughs> yeah, I was just
0: like, <gasps> or they're just horrifically stupid.
1: Like, so <laughs> oh, dumb! So wise and so dumb at the same time all the time. Mm. Uh. Which reminds us of a lot of our interns.
0: <laughs> yeah. Great <good>. Segway, <laughs> nice segue. Jesus, uh, a great you. segue. Thanks so much. Nice
1: segue. <laughs> um, we're going to do something a little bit different this episode. We thought it would be nice to introduce the monologue, the opening monologue from <laughs> each episode of Grey's Anatomy as a way of sort of centering
0: Our discussion. So, we're just going to do a dramatic (laughs) reading of the monologue each episode. Because during these quarantine times, we really have nothing better to do than work on our um, (laughs) acting voices. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And honestly, it'll make the episodes longer, which means it'll take me longer to edit. And I'm definitely looking for things to do. So, Megan, I'll, you know, I'll think about some kind of audio cue, something to mark the beginning of the monologue. All right. But for today, why don't you just go ahead and jump into it? All
2: right. I have not read this out loud until right now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's how we prefer it, actually. So All right. Um. Okay. At the end of the day, when it comes down to it all, we really want... Nope, I have to start again. I already fucked it up. (laughs) I knew I was going to fuck it up, so it's better that I do it in the first (laughs) one. Okay. (laughs) At the end of the day, when it comes down to it, all we really want is to be close to somebody. So this thing where we all keep our distance and pretend not to care about each other, it's usually a load of bull. So we pick and choose who we want to remain close to. And once we've chosen those people, we tend to stick close by. No matter how much we hurt them, the people that are still with you at the end of the day those are the ones worth keeping and sure, sometimes close can be too close, but sometimes that invasion of personal space it can be exactly what you need.
3: Wow well, feels pretty relevant <laughs> so, right now <laughs> I had to
2: I just want you to know that I'm like a little bit sweating both with being a little nervous <laughs> and also with my need to like editorialize as I was talking. <laughs> I was like, is this 2006 or 2020?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's full of me before. So this episode,
1: "Don't stand so close to me," uh, really apropos for these quarantine Mm -hmm. times. Yes, really got us out here in our feelings. It really, really does.
0: What doesn't have? Did I get emotional about these
1: conjoined twins? (laughs) Fuck yes, I did. (laughs) I absolutely did.
0: <laughs> Adult conjoined oh, twins.
1: Oh Jesus! All right, should we get into these rounds? Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Okay, who's timing me? I can time you. Great. Uh,
0: yes, Megan. It's so good to have you back. <laughs> now I don't have it's to. It's so do hard to handle work. all of
1: these responsibilities without you.
0: Yeah, I have to do half the work now. I have to do none of it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready?
1: (laughs) Ah, shit. Yeah.
2: Three, two, one, go.
1: Don't Stand So Close to Me, aired November 30th, 2006, written by Carolyn Pays and directed by... Seth man, Seath man. Anyway, um, we've got Harold O'Malley who needs an aortic valve replacement. Um, Preston Burke is dealing with his tremor, which everybody knows about now. Molly, not gray, maybe gray. I don't know her last name, but anyway, Meredith's like half sister, stepsister has to have an emergency C-section. Jake and Peter are adult conjoined twins. And that about covers our cases. Ellis, <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, Megan, you are so charitable for giving the screen three, two, one. Because I wouldn't even do it; no. I'd just be like, "It's done." You know, we time. never do it. We're just like, "You're done." Your edition of Ellis so at the fuck end up. was like Ellis. slam poetry.
3: <laughs> like that's about it, Ellis. <laughs> Snaps.
1: Ellis. Yeah,
0: man. (laughs) Ellis.
1: So, um... A pretty jam-packed episode, actually. There's a lot going on. Yeah. It's hard to take notes on.
2: (laughs) Yeah. No, that's really true. I was really struck
1: by the fact that this
2: episode should just be called, like, nepotism. Like, this was only about, like, I mean, I guess the conjoined twins are not immediately part of the family, but between, like, Harold and Molly and Ellis and Susan, like, all of these patients were wrapped up in the interns' lives Mm. in a way that is, um, I think, is atypical. Um, so I was, I don't know, I just was sort of reflecting on that when I was watching it today that like, oh, all of these, all of these people are related, like it felt too close to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's its true. A lot of blurred boundaries this episode, mm-hmm. for sure. Erased
0: boundaries. There were no boundaries.
1: <laughs> okay, yes, true. Where were the boundaries, actually? <laughs> Nowhere
0: to be fucking found. Per usual, um, honestly.
1: For instance, in the opening, we see the chief talking to one Miranda Bailey Mm -hmm. about the Burke-Yang situation and, like, kind of calmly describing to Miranda that no rules have been broken and also says that justice, this is a hospital, justice doesn't exist here or some shit. And I was like, what are we? What? (laughs) I don't think that's I don't think either of the things the Chief says in that in that opening discussion with Bailey are true. actually.
0: Are they, I mean, I I don't know. like do did, did they have specific rules about not lying about injuries? I mean, technically, they didn't their only job is to operate and not kill anyone.
2: But, like, <laughs> ethically doesn't that unfound. violate, like,
0: the Hippocratic oath to do no harm? And, like, when you
2: don't tell your neurosurgeon that you have a tremor, aren't you putting your patients at risk? Like, yeah. But they didn't mean, do any harm. But, like, I feel – I don't know. Like, I feel like the – they he put all of his patients at risk because his number two for all of the things he could not perform was an intern, you yeah. know? Like, I think that, like, S- S- Christine is a particularly gifted surgeon, but, like, She is responsible for all of the work of an attending in this instance. And like maybe, yeah, maybe they didn't do any harm. But like I have a hard time believing that like that that's not an explicit rule that has been broken by like putting your patients at undue risk because of your ego. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I agree. I don't know. And I'm
1: confused about like, I mean, I guess Yang is permitted to do those kinds of surgeries. But like. She still hasn't taken her like exam thing or whatever. I don't know. I just have a lot of questions. And like the person they said was going to be doing surgeries isn't the person who was actually doing surgeries and that doesn't seem legal either.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I feel I'm just like playing devil's advocate here, but like <laughs> technically that's what's going on kind of all the time because they're a teaching hospital. it's a teaching so- hospital. When yeah. the attending on service, they often let people do the surgery. I I agree that, like, I feel like they should be punished in some sort of way. But I think that, like, uh you know, based on what I know, they te- technically didn't do anything <laughs> wrong. Yeah. And then also I'm thinking about a while back I listened to the this podcast about this crazy doctor dude. I think it was called Dr. Death. It happened in Dallas, oh, which is from. Is that Kavorkian? No, it's oh. not Kavorkian. It's this other okay. dude who I got like, too
1: excited for that. Anyway, please. You it.
0: did. <laughs> <laughs> who who was just, like, severely under-trained for, like, what he should be doing, but somehow became, like, a leading neurosurgeon and fucked up a lot of people and kept getting away with it and people were dying. Oh, my um, God. But there was nothing, sort of, to be done about it because it was, like, a piece of, like, outcomes and people kept coming to him and, like, I think he was the first... The first doctor to have like actual criminal charges brought against him, because usually the things that are levied at doctors are just like taking your license away. Yeah, it's not actually criminal, um, and even that is really hard to like get a doctor's license taken away because like hospitals <laughs> I mean, protect doctors. Look at doctors. Isabel Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because hospitals protect doctors, and because you don't want doctors to to not want right. to perform medicine if they might be like charged because of like a bad outcome. Right. And so that one go listen to that podcast because it was fucking crazy <laughs> and like highlights a lot of really crazy and unethical things about our medical system, which, like, we already fucking knew. But, like, send like the link. About, I'm like, sold on yeah, it. Yeah. I'm here specifically for Specifically about, like, <laughs> surgery and how, like, there is an ethical boundary, but there's not really the thing where, like, that the chief was talking about, tying it back up, that the hospital is not the place where justice is served.
3: <laughs>
0: Man. <laughs>
2: I think Patrice just changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think my thing was like I so on the justice piece, I kind of I think I agree. I'm just sort of taking an opposite tack. Like when the chief said that, I was like, "Well, injustice certainly exists in hospitals right. and in healthcare mm. systems, and so if injustice exists, then justice must also exist, right?" I was like, mm. "That's like a naive way." <laughs> <laughs>
0: Trudy's really hitting all the slam poetry stops. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> Trudy, you should just edit this episode so it's just like one word, like <laughs> accent words. Death.
1: Absolutely. Justice. Subscribe Ellis. to our Patreon, and you'll get some, <laughs> some uh, Grey's Anatomy-themed <laughs> slam poetry.
0: Pa- Patreon. <laughs> I wish we had a Patreon, Patreon just so we could talk about having a Patreon. <laughs>
2: I guess I also, like, I I agree that, like, I think that the injustice versus justice is a super important point. I think that one of the reasons that that whole scene just pissed me off is because it started the general conversation that, like, sort of weaves its way through this episode of comparing what Christina did to what yeah. Izzy did. And that, to me, Not is, like, comparable. it's just apples to oranges or, like, yeah. apples to, like, I don't know, murder. <laughs> <You>
0: know? Like, <laughs> It's an, A- apples to an
1: apples to murder scenario. That is correct. <laughs> so I think also, I was like now asked Megan, that you by should
0: snap in general because of that. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, um, I mean, I don't know. Is there any world where we compare? I think that I, I would assume that we're unanimous in this, but like, is there any world where we can compare what? Christina did to what is what Christina did by saying, you know, that she lied for Burke to what Izzy did, which yeah. was murder Denny. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> willfully <laughs> like
0: murder. I think Denny. there's no way in falsified,
1: hell falsified, falsified his medical status and then murdered him. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, lied to multiple
1: people. Yes, yeah. agencies, multiple people, governing the patients things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane, um, and I'm gonna go ahead and say a little bit racist. <laughs> yes, yes.
2: <laughs> should we talk about the twins? Oh, should, we just, <laughs> should, we,
1: should we jump right into them?
0: To the biggest story What's ever? The biggest story? I don't know. <laughs> the greatest story ever told.
1: Let's just do it. Let's take our <laughs> leap. Let's go for it. We're jumping into the twins.
0: Yeah, the twins. Uh, what Her are we jumping Jake in? And... Like Elena's
2: jumping into the twins.
1: Oh,
0: Which yes, really she is.
2: is.
1: How old do we wow, think these twins a, are? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on in this, this episode. It was extremely relevant. Um, oh,
0: yeah. Wait, what are their names? So oh, many Jake ways. And Peter.
1: Jake and Peter. Are there? Jake okay. Oh, I thought it was Mike. Yeah, Jake and <laughs> Peter. Adult conjoined twins. Um hilarious affecting I'm I'm in love with everything about this weird threpple. I'm I support it and I wish they could just accept it as a threpple. Like just just let it happen, you guys. 100%. I mean, but
0: like it would be really weird because technically it would be a little incestuous. <laughs> Okay. Not even a little, but like actually incestuous. But they were. But wh- is it incestuous if it's a part of your own body? That's right? my That's thing. what I'm like, saying.
1: I feel like it's okay because you're literally
2: attached to each other. I feel like it's less okay now that they're separated. Yeah, I agree. Like When they were connected, it's like now I mean, no, they now can't it's weird. be a threple.
1: That would be right. weird.
2: Now it's weird. Now it's two brothers <laughs> and one girl.
1: <laughs> I.
3: <guys>. But
2: previously,
1: <laughs> it was like one
0: person with two heads uh, uh. okay i gotta say that i can't believe like... you guys are advocating right now for conjoined <laughs> twin incestual you know relationship you know what with one i'm
1: standing my ground
2: <laughs> i am too i'm really fine with it when they're still connected I, I feel like the
0: rules okay, are Okay, I think you guys need adult. to go to your quarantine dungeons and think about what you're saying.
1: When she's talking about how, like, they were both touching her, you know? and she was Oh, God. Like, I thought it was kind of nice. And I was like, I get it. Yeah, I get it. That does sound kind of nice. Babe, I told you I'm completely
3: fine with it.
2: How are you okay with the fact that he's touching you while you're naked?
3: Because it wasn't a big deal. Um, it's kind of sweet, and it just—it wasn't a big deal.
0: But you—you you liked it. You enjoyed it.
2: It just to me feels like a really like primitive thruple storyline. Where yeah. if this story were twenty twenty, it would go very differently. It'd be and totally to me, fine. it's not at all surprising that she fell in love with both of them. One well, of them of falls asleep did. after they're done kissing or boning or whatever the fuck, and then she talks to the other <laughs> one. So all of her needs are being met. <laughs> are met.
1: Technically, so by it's just one not surprising. Human form.
2: <laughs> so. It's first of all not surprising at all. Like as the second
0: she walks into that room, you're like, (laughs) okay, she loves it. We know what's
2: going on. (laughs) Yeah, this is a (laughs)
0: throbble. Yeah, that piece isn't surprising (laughs) to me. (laughs) <laughs> the only surprising piece is that you guys are still advocating for this incestual <laughs> Okay, now not that team. they're they're
1: separated now, Patrice. It's a no, different story. Once they're separated, it's not okay. That's that's all bets are off. That's getting into a weird place. Yeah, I mean, but when they're even sharing when they're
0: the together, same body, it's not okay. I feel
1: like that's like a blurred line. Disagree. I think, okay. I think it's fine. <laughs> I think it's totally fine, and I want her to get it.
2: And here's my other piece with that. It must be incredibly challenging to date as an adult conjoined twin. Yeah. And so, like, Elena is cute. She likes them both. If I were Jake or Pete or Mike or whatever their names are, I would be (laughs) like, all right, I can share her with my sibling who I'm attached to. Who's attached to me. Yeah. I
1: mean, seeing each other. What are their other options here? Who the fuck else are they going to be
0: dating? You
1: know what I, I mean? I mean, their other like, option
0: is like get get separated. That's what they do.
1: Which they do. Well, but they I'm just did, saying, But I mean, before Elena's that, loss. it is. I feel bad for her. She's lost something in this. Everybody's in- lost something when they separate. I was pro <laughs> stay together. And you know what? So was Peter. And I also gotta say though, I'm gonna really stand my
2: ground here because it's not like Jake, Mike, Pete were kissing each other. They (laughs) were only (laughs) kissing Elena. (laughs)
1: Yeah, their hands were not caressing one another; like they were touching Mm. Elena.
0: Yeah, but imagine a scenario where they're both awake and not one has fallen asleep, and she talks to the other. They're both awake during their weird sexual act. I, I feel like they <laughs> I like how you daughter. both looked off into the sky, imagining <laughs> <laughs> the, the, in the, the sex scene
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's be real. How common are twin fantasies, though? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I'm not out here being like, yeah, (laughs) twin fantasies rock. But I'm just saying like, this is not, this is not crazy. Have you been to Pornhub ever? Like, that's what 90% of that fucking site, I feel like, is like, I mean, 90% 90 of Pornhub
0: is also like, I (laughs) fucked my sister.
1: Yes. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> that doesn't make it right. You're good, you're going to Pornhub for your ethically no. okay? Thing. No, I'm not saying it's right, Patrice. I'm saying let's not pretend like this is some like very weird, totally out of left field, first time anyone's ever thought about this. I'm saying okay. Like, porn just for the listeners, so I would like clarify that both
0: and Megan are advocating that it's okay. <laughs> this thruple that they're talking about because Pornhub <laughs> has no, sibling sex on it. I'm saying that's this where we're is at. not some that's extraordinary
1: where we're at. situation. That's where we're at.
0: That's where we're at. What this, makes
1: this,
2: it extraordinary. This podcast is canceled now. We can't have it anymore. They're conjoined. <laughs> okay, that's what makes it What stressful. makes
1: it extraordinary is that they're conjoined. And that, for me, is what takes it out of you disgusting territory and into okay. I mean that's like a person and a quarter.
0: Like, that's, that's I'm sure
2: the fine. conjoined community is really excited. To yeah, I
0: was sorry. like, listen, any conjoined twins out there, don't fucking at me. Get at Teresa <laughs> slash Megan. <laughs> Who have I have regularly I, diminished listen, your experience to being I 4%. shared
1: the gif of the little Mexican girl being like, why yeah. not both? Because it's very, it's relevant. I get it. I think, she, you know, she's talking about chips and dip. And I'm talking about Elena double
0: dipping <laughs> in some conjoined twins.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think, though, that Elena doesn't actually want Jake, though, because he's a dick. Yeah, Jake does. I think
1: eventually. Yeah, yeah. I think it does get to that place. I think it does get to that place. She's like,
0: you just fall asleep after you fuck me and you never talk or listen to me. Yeah. Jake's pretty terrible.
1: It's really hard. Pete has, um, this is maybe my line of the week because it's so sad and it hit me like, (laughs) just, it really hit me. (laughs) But Pete says at one point,
2: why would I want to be attached to someone who doesn't want to be attached to me?
1: And I was like, Oh buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry, Pete. I wish that Jake still wanted to be attached to you. And like, I feel your loss for you. And that sucks. And I get it. Cause someone asked him, him asked him like the direct question, like what do you, you know, do you want to be separated? And that was his answer. And my heart yeah. shattered into a thousand Tiny sharp pieces. <laughs>
2: well, it's also sharp.
1: like for me, that's
2: that's that was a moment when I really felt the weight of our like current 2020 times because it's like, I don't want to be quarantined with somebody who doesn't want to be quarantined with me, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to yeah. be isolated with somebody who doesn't care about being isolated with me, right? Like, I thought I yeah. had a partner, but I don't have a partner. And so, yeah. like, sure, whatever, it doesn't matter anymore. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, like, really, really sad. And I also got to say though, what is the who's the doctor that works on this psych like, ward floor raj doctor raj. raj where the fuck was raj in where this episode where was raj they need some counseling like, through no this counseling or therapy the available to these two men who are presumably what in their 20s or 30s getting separated yeah. for the first time and like at the end of the episode when like they're both back in the same hospital room oh i'm like God. a fucking course they are because you gave them no mental health resources to deal mm-hmm. with the trauma of this separation so mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, just little plug for yeah. Dr.
1: Raj. Yeah, um, Raj is
0: never coming around at the right moment.
1: Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's it's like it's so it's so rough to see it happening. Um, the Jake and Peter like schism, and to see Jake being so cold to Peter. And I'm a person who's very like um like my partner will tell you that I'm like. Unbelievably sensitive to rejection. Like, at the Mm. slightest hint of someone, like, pulling away, I'm, like, three states away from them. You know what I mean? Like, Gina will, like, gently be like, I'm not really about whatever. It could be (laughs) fucking anything. Like, not in the mood for tacos. And I'll just be like, me either. I hate tacos. Never (laughs) liked them. Like, just (laughs) Never had one, wouldn't ever. Fuck tacos. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so watching this Jake Pete situation, I'm just like, oh, God, I there's no like, oh, my God, there's I just that is so intense and difficult. Um, And when Jake asks to be wheeled back into Pete's room w- once the surgery is done and successful, I mean, just cut my heart out. <laughs> heartbreaking or the shards that are in there from before (laughs) just scoop them out scoop out the shards
0: (laughs) we all know that elena doesn't win in this storyline
1: no no and i feel so sad for her too she had a great thruple situation and now she she truly had it all and now she has nothing (laughs) now she has to go back on the market now she has to settle for like just one guy at a time yeah, you know?
2: and then people are gonna be like, Tell me about your ex and she's gonna be like, They were completely
0: <laughs> adult twins. Yeah.
1: It's complicated. And then
0: well, really, she's gonna have to say, No, it was okay. Like when one went to sleep, I would talk to the other and sometimes yeah. they both touched me. Yeah. And then she'll be single for the rest of no, her and then life. She's she's the life. No, And she's gonna be like, Do you have a like, brother? Tell me more about
1: that. <laughs> that sounds like something I'm interested in. <laughs> Elena's just gonna join like a conjoined twins like fetish community.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. She's in yeah. one. She's leading yeah. the oh, her god. local
0: chapter. Yeah. yeah, she's not going back. I to honestly just, like, hope that doesn't exist, but I kind of already know in my heart that it does. Oh, it absolutely it totally. Have fits.
1: we thought of it? Yeah. Then it exists, and it's on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> well.
0: Takes a few extra clicks,
2: but you can get there. You can get
1: there. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so uh. <laughs> it's a great it's a great episode yeah
0: how do we transition away from that I know
1: <laughs>
2: I will say the last thing I'll say about the conjoined adult twins is that I thought that Derek did a really good job and like he was like such a I don't know. I felt like he was likely – I had a hard time sort of – and we'll get to the m M&M later, but, like, I think that he was the chief resident in this particular case because of his skepticism and ultimately mm. his success with this surgery. Yeah. That I felt like he carried a really healthy dose of being skeptical of whether or not it was the right choice of, like, yeah. the – you know, and it brings us back to the conversation that we've had many times of, like, an elective procedure and whether or not this was sort of an elective procedure. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I just thought that he was, like, the appropriate amount of, like, thoughtful and professional about the reasoning behind it. And then ultimately was, like, the nerve guy who could make it happen, which I always yeah. think is really cool. But um, yeah. that was, like, the last thing in my mind about it.
1: Yeah. I think it was cool to see, like, sometimes I know that we've discussed how infuriating it can be to watch these hotshot doctors just be like, I can do anything. I am literally God in the operating room. And it was really nice to see not I wouldn't describe it as weakness, although that definitely seemed to be the messaging that he was receiving from other surgeons and like the chief, which was frustrating, but I wouldn't describe it as weakness. I would describe it as an appropriate level of caution and particularly warranted given everything he's currently going through with Burke, which is real and difficult. Um, yeah. And it was just, I don't know, Derek's been kind of on a roll for me for the last, like, handful of episodes of just, like, turning a corner in terms of being um, l- way less of a douche and way more of, like, a three-dimensional person who is taking some time to consider, like, his feelings and the material realities around him and other people and... um I know that's not going to last forever, but <laughs> I've been enjoying it for right now.
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's always nice to see them, like, practice their expertise, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's always, like, a really humanizing piece of, like, okay, you're not just, like, an asshole. Like, you're an yeah. asshole with, like, you know, I regularly think of that, like, with Sloan, right? Yeah. Of, like, oh, you're, like, sure. kind of a bag of dicks, but also you're really good at what you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're the hot shining, shining hot humanity, humanity moment. And, and they're yeah. so attractive. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: 22 surgeons on this case to separate the twins so many surgeons that's so crazy it's crazy that's, that's totally so wild so many. who do we want to talk to talk about next should we talk about o'malley harold yeah uh
0: sure yeah which what's will kind of bring him? us
1: into some discussion of like Burke as well. Yeah. So Harold O'Malley. What's yeah. What's wrong with Harold O'Malley is like it's better it's better to ask what's right with
0: Harold O'Malley right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: his body is given up.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is not good. So
1: he's having an aortic valve replacement, which he needs to have because his heart is not strong enough for the surgery they need to do to remove the cancer. That has
0: metastasized. And so right, and right, his right. stomach and esophagus, Yeah, Yeah. And the only reason they found it. He also is has a broken collarbone <laughs> and broke his collarbone. Exactly right. Which to answer your question, Megan, is how Callie was even remotely near him. Thank yeah. you. I was like, Callie <laughs> is everywhere right now, and I do not know why.
1: <laughs> I wanna my first note about um Harold O'Malley's case is that Callie's hair is finally starting to look less insane and Gino walked in um my my partner walked in and the first thing she said in a scene that Callie was a part of was like oh thank god Callie's hair is finally returning to normal
0: <laughs> <laughs> well here's the thing though. Here's the thing though that I will dispute is that like her hair only looks normal because it's straightened. And so basically they don't know how to style her they, curly hair. They don't. Yeah. And so they 100%. just straighten they just straighten it and that is what makes it look quote unquote normal. That's mm-hmm. absolutely right.
1: But no, I think it's so yes, they don't know how to style her hair. That is absolutely true. But um it's also her bang situation. It's so bad. Yeah, it's, really it's bad. so bad. They're really not good. They're not good. Yeah, I
0: feel like people with curly hair should probably almost never have bangs. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's rough. Or I mean
0: it's really hard. It's so At funny, funny because the Sandra Oh has things.
1: very like very textured hair. She has yeah, she has just lovely curls hair. and her hair they style her great. Looks amazing all the time. But Callie's yeah. hair they just like cannot do it. Ugh,
2: I can't I know, wait till I think she cuts be- it. I know. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry it's been uh, so, so distracting for me it's like the new george's hair like for me is like uh,
0: Callie's oh god hair. yeah i was like yeah. I maybe can't... that's how they got together they were like listen <laughs> yeah. we both have fucking terrible hair it's only right that we should it's be a right. couple.
1: yeah i was like i cannot focus and then on george's hair, hair got
0: better and callie was like i can't handle <laughs> being the only one with bad hair yeah. so don't, don't leave me out here on the streets
1: with my hair like this yes that's right that's
2: right
1: <laughs> um it all makes sense <laughs> so what else we got going on with harold o'malley's case it's you know george is freaking out at every single person around him at all times
0: fucking god yeah and like his family's over the top all
2: all of the o'malley's like really really suck um but i want somebody to talk through the monologue that harold gives george about anger um cuz I also found that very powerful. I I can't remember I think both of you talked about it in your notes, but um I'd love to talk about that and like why why is that so touching for a family and two characters that we all kind of hate.
0: <laughs> well, I think that one thing one thing that Grace does poorly is trying to portray like a subset of people with any sort of nuance like when they had on that southern family and they just like brought out all of the most terrible tropes about them it's (laughs) the same with george's family they're like oh these are simple folk from the country and they hunt and they do this and so like they don't have any sort of nuance or emotion emotionality to them his brothers are just like backwoods hicks who are gonna like poke and prod the him like 10 year olds um and so I think Megan I think you sort of summarized it best in your notes actually um so you said I'm glad you pointed this out I hate the stupid family but a dad calling out the anger of his male child and then naming how it really ang- how it is really anger at him is important and it's, I mean I think that's basically it is like it's touching because we're like watching two adult sis white males like actually interact with each other in any sort of like nuanced emotional way um <laughs> instead of just like not talking about their feelings which is like what George is like the fucking king of
1: yeah right I I definitely got that like I'm I'm glad that you both pointed that out and that makes a tremendous amount of sense to me I felt like it weirdly kind of let George off the hook a little bit and it also like to me it felt like projection on Harold's part like Harold is mad at himself and he's projecting that onto George who I think actually is mad at his brothers and is mad at Callie and is mad at Yang and Burke and has Mm. and it has honestly totally valid reasons to be mad at all of those people And so it just it didn't read as like like it's a moving monologue just just because it's it's a nice moment. But it didn't read as true to me for George, because I don't Mm. feel that George has really played his character as being mad at Harold's. And I don't think like he's literally made no mention of like you brought this on yourself kind of stuff or like. I So it just it kind of came out of left field to me and it felt like it was powerful in the sense that Harold was naming what he's mad about. Like Harold is mad at himself and that that rings true to me. That makes sense. But it felt like a sort of uh, I don't know, like a manipulation of George's anger that didn't make any real sense to me. I was like, no, George is actually angry at these people. And he has really good reasons to be angry at these people. He's just not he's he is not articulating why and how he's angry. And that's not helpful. He's just lashing out. That's true. Mm -hmm. But like he is mad at them and he should be mad at them. Like he's been friends with Burke. It's fucked up that Burke would not have shared this with him, would have otherwise committed to a surgery Um, That he is in no position to perform on, like, George's father. Like, I don't know. He's been betrayed in a couple of different ways. It's just he's not actually navigating what that feels like or naming, like, why that anger is important and real to anybody he's just he's just yelling at people for unrelated reasons so it just didn't feel like a a true thing that like nothing that harold said felt true for george it felt like it could be true for harold but
2: yeah yeah. no i think that's a really good point because i also think that like harold the the irony of it is that everybody in this family behaves so let you know to patrice's point so like stereotypically for what the the picture they're trying to paint of the O'Malley family. And so the idea that Harold can come in and like name his kids anger and his displaced, you know, his perceived displacement of anger um, feels like really off the mark of the stereotype that they're trying to land with this family. Mm. Right. And I think that that's one of the reasons that it like, not that it didn't land with me, because I do think that there's some like really, really positive representations of like, you know, father to male son, you know. Acknowledgement and conversation there. But I think that it's like, it's not super believable because of the way that George behaves, the way that the other two brothers behave, the way that, you know, Harold and his wife behave. It's like, okay, don't act like you can identify anger and talk about anger comfortably with your children because what's really clear is that you can't because none of your family members have any sort of like relational coping mechanisms. Um, And to me, it's much more of a like, oh, you know that Harold's going to die because he's saying this thing that is, like, so out of left field that's, like, not really – you know what I mean? It's, like, when somebody has, like, powerful last words because it's, like, oh, you you know, you're sort of – you're on your deathbed. And I don't know, like, to me it's, like, that's – I think that that I tend to agree that, yes, it is, like, a really powerful moment, but no, it's not ultimately – all that believable because of of the portrait that they've painted of this family. Um, and and more specifically of George, right? That, like, if he did have a father who could call out his anger, who he could talk to emotionally, then he wouldn't be the way that he is. Or maybe, you know, wouldn't be such mm-hmm. an extreme version of the way that mm. he is. Um, mm. So, I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also, I, mean, I, think-
2: I think, yeah, it's also the last, sorry, the last thing that I'll say about it is that I think that, like, we get so few insights to, like, the family dynamics of any of these characters that it's funny to me that George is the one that we get a huge insight to and in the course Mm. of this entire show. um, But it feels really right based on the kind of weak ass person George is and his annoying fucking family. So
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I think there's a few things at play here and like why this monologue from Harold works in the way that it does is that, You know, Harold is viewing it from the outside. He doesn't know any of the things about Burke or Christina. All he's doing is watching his son lash out at people, seemingly like in an unrelated way but all surrounding his particular case and so it probably seems like to him that his son is angry about the particular predicament that they're in and so like for us for the viewer it reads as like weird because you know we can see what their family relationship was especially between their brothers they're always having those sort of um fights where they're picking on George for not being like them. But the rest of the time, like, him lashing out at Christina, him lashing out at Izzy, him lashing out at Dr. Han, like, it all probably doesn't really make sense to Harold. And so he's like, well, obviously this anger is misplaced. Obviously this anger is about the situation we're in because Harold doesn't have the, the you know, third, the omnipresent eye that we do to yeah. see what's happening on the other ends.
2: No, I think that's I think that's a really good point, right? That of course he's yeah. going to make the connection that it's because his dad is dying, not because of his incredibly complicated work and love life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a really great point. Um, other thoughts on Harold?
1: Uh... Not particularly for me. Yeah, yeah.
0: The O'Malley <laughs> clan continues to be like fairly fucking annoying. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty annoying. Um... I did like when Burke narrates. Uh, Harold's surgery Mm. to George Mm -hmm. as George Mm -hmm. watches because George is not allowed in the operating room. Um, And I thought that that was a nice moment. I also thought that there was, you know, a nice circularity to uh, the running whip stitch. Christina has to perform one (laughs) in Harold O'Malley's surgery. And so... It's, it's a little bit of the show being like, see, it's actually a good thing that she's been lying and covering for Burke. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been equipped to do this essential <laughs> stitch. <laughs> um, which is like, I see you show, still not okay. But narratively, mm. I do appreciate that we've come full circle. <laughs>
0: nice job. They do so many running whip stitches. So many. In the show, and this every time they're like, wow they're doing a fucking running whip stitch and i'm just like don't you guys fucking see this shit all the time and like should we learn still it amazing? if it's that important
1: yeah yeah how are you still acting like this is the most impressive stitch ever i'm uncomfortable with how surprised and astounded you are at running whip stitches it makes me every feel every single time yeah every single time i don't feel confident yeah that's,
0: yeah, that's all I have to say about Harold O'Malley, except that we didn't spend nearly enough time talking about Erica Hahn. <laughs> <laughs> you mean your wife? My wife.
1: Erica Hahn, who's clearly just like circling everyone being like everyone's acting like they're crazy and I don't have any frame of reference for their weirdo behavior but I'm just gonna try yeah. to mind my own business
0: <laughs> I mean like a spoiler alert I literally have no idea why she decided to go and work at that hospital no, after all of her 100%. terrible experiences the, p-
1: the pay must have been terrible at Seattle Presbyterian or wherever yeah. the fuck it is that she's coming from Yeah, yeah that's real um do we want to talk about molly or burke or ellis next i
0: Let's
2: think talk the, about molly the
1: molly Molly. And, uh, to me the
2: like molly susan ellis meredith thread they go is, hand in hand it's yeah. all deeply <laughs> sad <Yeah>. hand. Hand, <laughs> hand yes and so Molly, Molly. Gray, she has a different last name yeah I think what's but her name Thompson Thompson thank you sure Patrice with the details yeah thank um, you so she's there because she's having an emergency c-section I didn't totally catch the baby was born not breathing anyway yeah
1: I don't it's really not know why she had to have the emergency Molly. C-section to begin with, but then yeah. they had it, and that baby came out, and they were poking at it, and I was like, ooh, it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was like, that's what not what you an astute assessment, Teresa. <laughs> They're just like, the Addison's to her a running first two fingers and like... Pressing into this fake baby, and I was like, Ooh, "That's not so good."
0: Whenever they do uh like a CPR compressions on like their fake uh like thirty two week old babies, it always looks fucking outrageous. And it
1: looks like, crazy. It looks like the Voldemort like soul baby from the movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's all I can see. It's like a Voldemort fetus every time.
2: <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs>
1: Anyway, yeah, I mean to me this I mean this particular
2: <laughs> this case is not it's not about Molly. Like it's not about Molly, no. it's not about Laura, which no. is the baby's name, it's not even about Thatcher. Like <laughs> I think that um it's much more about Meredith and and her relationship with parents, right? With mother, like motherhood in particular. Um so I'd love to hear you guys I'm I'm really curious to hear your guys' thoughts on Susan. Um I really struggle in this episode well to backpedal for a second like the entire Meredith Ellis like Ellis suffering through Alzheimer's at this point in her life is like one of those things that as an adult, I realize how little of that I I really internalized as a child when I watched this show or as a teenager when I watched this show that I was like, oh, her mom's old. And now when I watch it, I'm like, it's like it's almost painful for me to watch interactions with, with Meredith and Ellis when Ellis is as sick as she is. Um, you know, at the very beginning, she says something like, um, I should have never had children, you know, and she says that like to her only child's face, you know, um, and I think that's really hard. And so I think yeah. that to me, this case of Molly is much more about like the polar, the complete polar opposites that are Ellis and Susan, because Susan is like, she's just like the nicest lady in the world. And she's it's just like a walking rainbow. Yeah, and I think or like that, a walking. Like, sun it feels impossible. Would be more yeah, and I think that it's like it's like too much on purpose, right? I think that there's something about Grey's Anatomy that attracts people who have complicated family situations. That like that you feel really seen by this show if you have any complication <laughs> in your family, right? Whether it's like with your parents or your siblings or your you know whatever that is. Um, and so having a character like Susan is like really really hard to watch because she's like saccharine right like she's so sweet that it's like painful um and i find the episodes with her like i, I almost like can't process or digest who she is because of that like saccharine quality because um, she
0: seems like a fucking fake person
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and like you want to like her but you can't in the same way that meredith <laughs> wants to like her but she just can't But just cool. you know yeah, I don't know. At least that's, like, I just, in general, really struggle with Susan in general, and I think that that's why. So I'm curious to hear, like, if you guys, how you sort of experience her character.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I really like Susan and understand that she's the worst <laughs> in in like this particular context right like she's just just kind of terrible and not what anybody needs right now um but it's it's really hard because she's she's so well-meaning and it's it's difficult to see meredith and see that like (sighs) meredith could have also turned out like so differently if she'd been shown the slightest bit of parental affection ever a single time in her life it's really I feel like it must be really hard for Meredith to watch Molly for instance and to see how like sort of quote unquote well adjusted Molly is Um, and like to look at your like to look at a person and be like oh I could have been whole too but like I never really had a chance to be whole that's it's Mm. hard to watch Meredith like grapple with like that she just never got that chance because she really really did not and now susan wants to give her that chance and it's just like it's too little it's too much it's too late i think you're
0: definitely right about that in a way i mean that's why meredith has problems later with lexi when she comes on the scene i'd like to point us back to our monologue In which Meredith says, so this thing where we all keep our distance and pretend not to care about each other, it's usually a load of bull. And I think that Meredith does an extra job of not letting herself care about Susan or about Molly because, like, I think we've seen each time because, like, this definitely plays a part in the later episodes in which Meredith starts to really... um, value sisterhood both biological and Mm -hmm. otherwise um is that like Meredith is not devoid of emotions and she is twisty yes but like family means a lot to her I think because of like that lack of love from Ellis and so I think that she doesn't want to get close to Susan and she doesn't want to get close to Molly I think partially because she knows that she could let them in but partially probably because it feels like a betrayal of her mother like yeah if she absolutely if she gets close to this other woman who wants to give her like actual motherly love what does that mean about her relationship with Ellis right. um and how does that complicate things with Thatcher and and really all of that so I think that like Meredith I think it's a load of bull like Meredith says it's like She's like you're very sweet people but you are not my family. But that's because Meredith is choosing to mm-hmm. to do that. She would rather stay in the lane where she's at and be a twisted sister with Christina and have Christina be her person cuz she's not emotionally ready. Which yeah. is yeah. fine. She's not yeah. at that point yet. But um I think it's I think it's definitely maybe a thing where she's pretending not to care about it because like you can you can see especially so like when she's in that operating room with Addison um and she just sort of like freezes that that's what it happens right Mm -hmm. yeah they're Mm -hmm. they're starting to do the emergency c-section and Addison's asking her to like explain what's happening and she just like freezes out yeah um is like she can see that she could get close to these people but like instead she decides to retreat yeah
1: right Yeah. I think it's especially painful uh, um I think it's especially painful that we see her reject Susan at the end of the episode, and we see that like the first um the opening scene with her and Ellis is actually like in the timeline of the episode, that scene came out. After Meredith's day at the hospital, her day at work. Mm. And so it's especially painful to see her reject Susan's sort of reaching out, um, only to then like be so roundly rejected by Ellis and then try with everything in her to like hold Ellis to her and say, I'm I'm right here, mom. I'm right here, mommy. Like You see why she rejected Susan because she's now. the time for
0: the crying. Yeah, Yeah, right now. I had a
1: good
2: clock going.
1: (laughs) God, you see why she rejected Susan because she still needs that from her mother and and wants feel like wants to find the way to that with her own mother. And so, like while Ellis is still there, it's just not possible for her to let go of what could be and uh it's that's just it's it's like an it's just an incredibly painful incredibly painful scene to watch and so i so i say that describe that because I, i think that aligns perfectly with what you're saying patrice which is it's you're exactly right that she's not emotionally ready yet to be the Meredith Grey that we know she has access to, we know she's capable of because of the way that she loves her friends, right? That she's, she's not this, this cold, distant person, right? But like, she's not emotionally ready to access all of the love that she has to give. And like all of the love that she's actually like ready to, to receive you know or like could could be receiving in return right right um gina said something again she was like in and out of this episode but she said something um that i thought was like pretty on point with this episode which was man i can't wait until she becomes mom meredith she was like Mm. um which you know yeah it's just it's it's hard to see meredith like this like this is is a dark time for Meredith and it's just gonna get darker
2: yeah right right well I think that that's what's hard looking you know watching this in hindsight is like oh man it's gonna get so much worse for her (laughs) with every parent right every parent that could possibly be at play it gets almost exclusively worse and almost never better Um, yeah. But I think that it is really hard that, like, at this point in the show, Meredith is really lauded as the character who's, who's most there for everybody else, right? Yeah. She's, like, the most optimistic, the most supportive. She shows up, you know, arguably when she shouldn't. And so to watch her be so icy and cold and mean to Susan is, like, a hard thing to watch, like, the, you know, the protagonist of the show behave in that way, right? Because it's very, very different to your point – to both your points that, like – you know, this is not—we're not accustomed to seeing her as like a stone cold bitch, um, yeah. and to sort of be exposed to that, to the to the kindest character of the show is like pretty awful. It's like you know, just doesn't—it's it's yeah. like a you know a rock in your stomach. Um, There's a moment where hard. Susan
1: says, <laughs> "Susan says so sweetly, it'll be so
3: nice to have a familiar face in the operating room. Thank you for being here. It's my job to be here."
1: It's my it's job my to job. be there, so... <laughs> <laughs> it
2: has literally nothing to do with you or your kid or your grandkids. Oh, yeah. God
1: damn. I not give a
0: fuck is basically what she um, says. I'm yes.
1: being paid, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> God, don't so stand mean. so close to me. Yes, yeah. 100%. 100%. percent
1: Don't stand.
0: Don't stand. <laughs> Yeah, Stings don't the best. stand so close to me. Okay, can we talk about Burke Yeah, and Christina fucking and this Burke. whole fucking business? Oh my God, Burke. The hand situation.
1: <laughs> yeah, kick us off. Kick us off, Patrice.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. Like the chief has everyone in his office. Like Bailey is there. Burke is there. Christina is there. Derek is there. Sure. For some reason, I'm actually not sure why they're all in the room together, but we talked about the piece about justice and how they're comparing it to Izzy, which I really don't understand still. Um, and the the thing that like upsets me the most about this whole situation is that like Burke still refuses to take any sort of responsibility or blame for anything happening in this situation. He's mad at Derek he's mad at christina for turning him in he's like just everywhere where he could be placing blame he is except for looking at himself and i think that's the the biggest piece of the hand situation that is just like infuriating me and somehow no one is addressing the fact that like burke is is pretending to be like absolved like he's yeah he's pretending to be like innocent in all of this
2: yeah yeah like as if he doesn't have ownership over his own voice in this process which is just infuriating right that he couldn't raise the flag and say like i'm not well i I don't know like i it's it's he is such a deeply frustrating character
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i uh I, I actually, I don't have a lot to say about Burke this episode mm. just because I, like, he continues to be so frustrating. He continues, as you said, Patrice, to, like, refused to take any accountability for his actions. um And it's difficult to watch him, like, continue to be such a dick to my personal favorite character in the light of my mm-hmm. life, um, Christina Yang. So I just am like... Fuck you forever. How is she still with you? I don't understand this relationship. It's so toxic. Um, let Derek fix your fucking hand, bro. Like, yeah. stop being a baby. I,
0: you know, when the... when To the, quote the chief, yes, I am yelling. Yes. I am yelling very, very loud.
1: Very <laughs> when the chief just, like like loses it with burke i it's like the first time in i don't know like many episodes that i've actually liked the chief because i agree he says i'm tired of you men acting like boys and i was just like absolutely yes thank you we're all in that place like get your shit together we've all
0: been in that place. For a It's long like
1: the time. first time that the chief is like actually the chief, you know, when he reminds mm-hmm. Burke that his hand is a 2 million dollar a year hand and he's oh, just God. like, "So fix it." I'm like, "Fucking thank you for being like the head of a department and like acting as the administrator that you are and being like, "No, this is actually a money issue for the hospital. Take care of your shit." It's yeah. like, Thank God. Yeah,
2: Yeah, it was like the dose of reason that we needed, which, Patrice, I think you pointed this out (laughs) that, like, that actual monologue on the chief is, like, not great writing. Like, (laughs) I am yelling. I am now yelling. I have not been (laughs) yelling. And now I am yelling. You know, it's, like, really tough to watch (laughs) because it's it's really (laughs) cringy.
0: Up until now, I have not yelled. I have not yelled because you were a guy in trouble. Supporting you, but now I am yelling, Chief.
1: I am yelling very loudly. I want to retire, Burke. I want my wife back, and I pass the torch to you. I pass the torch
0: to you, and you blew it out. It's like supposed to be really affecting, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> okay. Are you reading the
2: stage directions, or are yeah. you <laughs> yeah? The they were like, yeah. I now am Keith now Weber exiting yells. stage. Now left. he yells very loudly. <laughs> Exactly.
0: <laughs> I'd just like to tell you guys that I'm legitimately eating cold gravy. off
1: That's fine. That's fine.
0: This is a We're in quarantine. Space.
1: You do whatever you need to do. Yeah. I'm still watching actual snow fall outside of my window because it has been snowing yeah, the it. entire time that we've been recording. Jesus Christ. So,
0: <sighs> so yeah, that's basically um, all I wanted to say is that Burke continues to be a terrible fucking person and not take any responsibility for literally anything yeah
1: and continues to not face any consequences which is also yep. yeah. deeply frustrating to watch I mean the chief yells at him but in your heart you're just like this is not a consequence
0: like no. yeah Christina gets way like more your boss for yelling at you is not Burke a consequence does. that's
1: like a Tuesday like that's not yeah yes yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Anyway, I agree I agree um, I think
0: Christina gets punished way more for this than Burke ever does oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Uh is there anything else we want to talk about before we get into the M M&M
0: M for the episode? I don't think so. I think we covered I think, our uh, Yeah, I All think right. I think we got it. Let's
1: rock it out. Teardrop ranking. Bum-ba-da-bum. I gave it
2: three out of five stars, because, or teardrops, because I can't handle <laughs> Ellis and Meredith being mean to Susan, and Susan apparently is a real weak spot for me. <laughs>
1: Megan's like, justice for Susan.
2: <laughs> but or not. I can't watch anything yeah. she's in. Anytime she's in an yeah. episode, I like kind of shut down. <laughs> mm.
0: Do we need mm. to unpack that, Megan? Yeah. Nope, we don't. Are you on talk space? <laughs> Do you need to Susan be? Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Susan sucks. Uh, yeah. I gave it five tears. Okay. Same. Solely because... Better. Not solely, actually. For the end scene between Christina and Meredith and... For the end scene with Ellis. Yeah. Um, mm. Just, like, fucking, it's a heart-wrenching, seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, gave, I also gave it five, um, and I said, the. I mean, Peter really, like, Pete breaks my fucking heart this episode. He has, he's just, like, the sad conjoined twin. <laughs> um, and I'm, like, really feeling him hard. And uh, Meredith and Ellis is also deeply deeply painful. Just like everything packed into that scene. They're both so good in it. They both just do such an incredible job. Meredith looks particularly beautiful and particularly mm. sad at the same time. And those are real triggers for me. So five Crying out of white five. women. <laughs> yeah. Once more, I'm just going to be cutting liberally, Patrice. Yeah. <laughs> Patrice reads me Every episode, Megan, about my Meredith Grey situation, and every episode, I just have to cut large swaths of her. (laughs) Okay, large swaths. Yeah, large swaths I would say at least five minutes of every episode I cut out because I'm like, you didn't need to go that hard.
0: (laughs) Someone's got to tell you the truth. The on-call
2: room. This was like a negative sexy episode. Like I tried to come up with even like a sexy look or like a moment when somebody did something remotely sexy. And it was like a deeply sexless episode, which I think is really unfair for quarantine times.
0: Uh, I mean, I would take it. You know I thought it was that. And then we were this conjoined... What? <laughs> <laughs> we both stopped at the same time.
1: I know we're both. I was like, gonna say ah. according
0: According to you guys' read on this conjoined twin situation, it was very sexy. So. That's exactly right. right. I was going to say the more I thought about it in
1: our opening discussion when Elena is talking about uh having sex with Jake, but like Peter's hand just like ended up touching her. I was like, "You know what? That's pretty erratic." So. I'll take it. I'll that, would take it. Room, that would be my on call room. Would be the conjoined twin. Yeah. Intimacy. <laughs> with elena patrice my is so head. mad patrice she's just, just shaking quit her head at this out. podcast in the middle of the podcast also megan kind i saw like when you Derek do the last surgery in the middle of the
0: surgery <laughs> Oh, exactly.
2: you know what i meant <laughs> <laughs> justice for pete
3: <laughs>
0: justice for elena uh, justice for elena <laughs> let's be real
3: yeah, for Elena and a her fetish. wash
0: double-touching. Yeah. Um, I got nothing for the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um,
1: Song of the Week. I'll say right off the bat that no- nothing stuck out to me.
2: There were only three, like, named songs in this episode. Um, I gave it to John Legend because man's sure, got sure. a... He's got a nice voice, and I'm on a big Chrissy Teigen streak right now
0: in quarantine, so... <laughs> I'm happy to give yeah. those points. I mean, who points. isn't? Yeah. I know. I love her. <laughs> I have to pause because one of my cats is like obnoxiously shaking the door. <laughs> and then I opened it partway and he came in and meowed. <laughs> so cat let break. me put him out again. <laughs>
1: That's a cat break.
0: <laughs> That's going to be a cat break. <laughs> oh, there he is. Oh my God, Hi, he's so Kitty. cute. Hi, Wait, buddy. which one is that? Link-a-dink. He's so cute and large. Oh, Patrice's cats window?
1: are like the only cats that I like. Mm. Patrice's cat, Link, is like the best cat. Is that Link?
2: That's Link. I want to yeah. rub his tummy. <laughs> no, I'm Tommy sorry. Ron. I
1: love Freya.
0: You love Freya. She's the small, Freya. anxious one.
1: Freya's really anxious and needy. She's pretty clingy. And I'm like, I that's the energy I want
0: from my animals. I want an yeah. animal
1: that needs me. I want to feel yeah. needed. It's important
0: yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. I weirdly got the least aloof cats that have ever existed. I They're know. both very social. They're the best. They both, love, <sighs> they both love to be held and cuddled and petted and want to be around you all of the time. They're literally on top of me all of the time. Wow, it's weird. And Puppy so Link cats. was just scratching at the door because it's almost five o'clock, which is when it's time to eat. And mm, food yeah. is like the one thing that he cares about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so cute. relatable. <laughs> yeah. So where were we?
1: Uh, I believe um, we we're talking about Chrissy
0: Teigen. That's where we were at. <laughs> okay. Okay. Great.
1: <laughs> Chef's kiss.
0: <laughs> I do love all of her Twitter content. (laughs) Yeah, she's so funny. (laughs) I think you said John
1: Legend for Song
0: of the Week as well, right? Yeah, I did because I love John Legend. He's so sweet. And I think like a few weeks ago when it was like week one of quarantine, he did like a Instagram live and there was this super sweet moment where he sang Beauty and the Beast to their daughter. Luna. And Chrissy Teigen was was wearing a towel while like eating chips or something. It's so cute. It's so cute.
2: I love that family, you guys. Yeah, I know. They're so adorable. I want to come back as part of that family. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Uh, you better die soon, I guess.
1: Nothing, right? It's a a lady's relationship. Yeah. (sighs) Tough. Nobody's died in a while, which means it's about to get rough at Seattle. There's about to be a lot of death. Oh, yeah. 007.
2: I actually kind of struggled with this. Um, I I, I felt like nobody was a really shitty doctor, which I'm, I don't know what you guys had. So I'm open to it. I think that like, I kind of questioned that Meredith Addison putting, like putting Meredith on the case with Molly. um, I questioned like Meredith's willingness to do that and confidence in doing that. And Addison's like expertise as somebody who like maybe should have known better. Um, But I felt like I was kind of sort of like grabbing at straws there.
0: Yeah, I, said, I agree. I didn't have anyone down for 007. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I said Meredith as well, but with the caveat that she wasn't really put in a position to su- to succeed, right? Like, she shouldn't mm-hmm. have been the intern on that case. Yeah. And she pretty pretty inevitably didn't do a great job as the intern on that case. Right, right. But I don't know that that's super Meredith's fault, so. Right, right. Um, Karev of the week.
0: George. It's still George. Yeah, it's George.
1: He's a George. real dick. He's really awful. Yeah, she's <laughs> president though.
0: terrible. Uh, I give it to Han, but not for any other reason other than I love her. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm not surprised by that. I was not surprised to see that. I gave it to Derek because he has a really intense surgery to perform, and it's very high stakes, and he's going through a lot right now, and he pulls it off. Good job, Derek.
2: Yeah, I I I agree. I I I just kind of struggled to give any awards to the doctors this week. I thought that Derek, like, really did a good job with that surgery. That was really important and medically super valuable. So I think at the end of the day that i probably give it to him. Um, I was really struck by – the chief and Bailey have, like, kind of a weird interaction at one point during this episode that we didn't really talk about. Um, but the chief – Bailey's feeling like, oh, man, I really, like, sort of beefed it with these interns, right? Like, they never listen to me and they make all these bad decisions. And the chief has a moment where he praises Bailey for her um, – Education of the interns in sort of the softer skills of what it means to be a doctor. Um, And he says, like, you know, how difficult must it have been for Christina to come to her boss and say, my boyfriend is lying. Um, and, and I thought it was, like, a really great moment for the chief to be able to see those things in an episode where, like, I don't know, like, he he's kind of an asshole these days. Um, but I really appreciated his praise of Bailey at a time when she was feeling not very confident in her teaching skills. Um, and I think called out some really, really um, important lessons that her interns have sort of lived out um, under her guidance. So I really... It was a a, like sort of a quiet moment of appreciation for Bailey for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense for sure. Um, line of the week. Yeah. Uh, I kind of already said mine. Which was was Peter. Being like, why would I want to be attached (laughs) to someone
0: who doesn't want to be attached to me?
3: Ah! Yeah,
0: I know Peter. The deep same, bro, same. (laughs) I'm really only looking for comedy lines of the week. And uh, my ca- <laughs> mine came when they were in surgery on Jake and Peter. And uh, Derek says... It'd be nice if everyone
3: love trying to be fixed with a scalpel." If they could, you'd have stabbed me with a template a long time ago.
0: <laughs> and I had a really good laugh about that. Um, I also, like, also on the Jake and Peter case at the beginning when all the interns are, like, fucking complaining that... Um, yang gets to yes. be in on harold's surgery and <laughs> bailey turns to them and says if you thumb suckers, don't stop whining i swear i won't show you what's behind this door and trust me you want to see what's behind this door and then it's jake and peter yeah that's so good great. that's that
1: yeah that's yeah. a really good moment yeah. i forgot about that
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's Ooh. an awesome moment i also i have oh i had three then I also uh, related to Jake and Peter. Izzy is assigned to Sloan in this episode, and he keeps trying to get her to, like, get coffee for him, and he basically says, like, I'm only picking you because you're nice to look at. Um, And Izzy sticks up for herself and says, like, I don't do coffee and continues to just, like, be on his service. And he basically threatens her and says, like, if you don't give me coffee, you're not going to get to do anything. And she says... You think
1: this means I respect you? If you want
2: me to respect you... You have to do
0: something worth respecting. I'm Boom. Like, yeah. Snaps. Boom.
1: <laughs> Ellis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Tats?
2: Um, I I didn't have any like super specific lines. The <laughs> the one line I did write down was when the chief says that hand is worth two million dollars to Burke. And I had like a mini panic attack when I heard that, <laughs> and felt like a tremendous amount of gratitude that none of my body
0: parts are worth any money,
2: right? <laughs> you know, like thank the, God.
0: Like, right. Should we go off on a tangent about like when celebrities would get their body parts insured? <laughs> for money? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, Jennifer Lopez's one million dollar ass wasn't it insured for one yes. million dollars? Yes. Yeah, and then like Rihanna's
0: oh, yeah. legs or something. Yeah.
1: God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No
2: one's insuring any of my body, <laughs> and yeah. they should. Ju-
1: Julia Roberts, like smile or something, all kinds. Yeah, of shit. seriously, all it doesn't even make shit. sense.
0: How do you insure that? I don't know. know. I don't know.
1: I don't know. But I don't want to know. All I'm of not my interested. body parts are like you could buy them for like a twenty. Oh yeah, <laughs> Mine are like really just dis- like just totally
2: <laughs> dispensable. <laughs>
0: Oh I pay a lot for you guys' body parts. That's great. <laughs> oh thanks so much, Patrice. I'd pay
1: a lot for yours too. Um
2: yeah, that was that was a line that caused me a lot of anxiety. But then I also had sort of the Mark Derek spad about love triangles. I thought was like a delightful little light I love it yeah. when Derek and Mark have lighthearted moments.
1: Yes, it's nice.
2: I'm a sucker nice. for it.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: Churn for each other in that surgery. It was good. Mm-hmm. It was good mm-hmm. to see. Yeah,
0: like their friendships were turning yeah. a bit.
1: That's yeah. a throuple I'd be into. Meredith, Sloan, and oh, Derek. God.
2: Yeah. We don't need that. I ship it.
1: Do we not need it?
0: I might we don't need, need it. it. Don't I'm into need it. it. I don't need.
2: I feel it. good I about need it. It. <laughs> 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 it. I need. Okay, it.
0: fine. Medical <laughs> fact of the week. <laughs> I, I never wrote, wrote this in, but my twins. notes say
1: yeah. <laughs> My notes say something, something conjoined twins.
0: Yeah, I wanted to look up conjoined twins, but I've been so busy while so being busy. at home 24-7 so that I just couldn't.
1: I like I like that like the intent was there, but the motivation absolutely not there for any Listen, of us. Listen, we've
0: all got to give each other a lot of grace. <sighs> yep, so much grace. During our quarantine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Quarantine. Our quarantine. Will you be my quarantine?
1: Will you be 100%. my quarantine? Yeah. So that's 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 pretty much it. Uh, that's it. you know, where where can our listeners find us, Patrice?
0: Ah, oh, fuck. I forgot I had to do this part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's where they can find us. <laughs>
0: Uh if you liked listening to our ramblings and Teresa and Megan talking about how Pornhub <laughs> is justifiable, hey, you can find what? us Wow <laughs> right. That feels like an unfair summary of our remarks. You can find us on our lovely host, Podbean, anywhere where you can find uh your lovely podcast, Stitcher, ACast, Apple Music. Uh, what's those Spotify. other ones? Google Play, Spotify. We're all there. You can yeah, also find it. us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Teresa. I'm trying my best. Uh, you can also find us Nothing on Twitter. On my end. Things are happening.
2: Yeah. <laughs> She's fine. She's on an island by herself. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I feel like you're freezing to Treza, but then like it keeps interrupting what I'm saying. And so then I'm like, what are you doing? Um fuck. Twitter. Can you you're find- at Twitter. Twitter, sorry. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at code underscore Grays. You can also find us on Instagram at code Grace podcast I think that's all the places you can find us.
1: You can email us codegraves oh, at gmail.com. No dot one's com. emailing us.
0: <laughs> I tried my hardest and it was shit.
1: <laughs> you did so good. I, I might replace all of that with my rundown <laughs> from a previous episode, but I think you did <laughs> have been doing this for an hour and a half. Hope everybody has enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> our medical fact of the week is to wash your hands, stay the fuck at home, wear a mask when you go out. But why are you going out in the first place? Ask yourself that a couple of times before you make that choice. And uh, we will see you probably next week. <laughs> <laughs> this season's about to, like, start getting really good. I'm excited. Oh That's yeah. true. There's, There's some, some good off. shit coming down Spice. the pipeline of this oh. season. I'm the excited. The back half of this season's excellent. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. that's
1: right. Uh, that's been our show. That's our show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Goodbye.
1: Can I just, I want to take a moment. I'm going to just take a quick moment here. Mm. I want to read some of these lyrics. Okay. Young teacher, the okay. subject of schoolgirl fantasy. She wants him so badly, knows what she wants to be. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's not so easy to be the teacher's pet. Temptation, frustration. So bad. It oh, makes him cry. Terrible. Wet bus stop. stop. She's waiting. His car Wait. is warm and dry. No. <laughs> no. It goes on and on. Don't stand so close to me because <sighs> you, a student, are too much of a temptation for your teacher. Wow, that's fucking terrible. Fun fact about Sting he used to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay,
0: I'm no. I can't. I don't think I've ever actually listened to the lyrics of this song, but I know, I know. now that many I know that many
1: people haven't and I just feel that it's so important to
0: talk about. <laughs> oh my god. I'm going to just adapt the title of this song to be for our 2020 coronavirus times. stand so close to me stand at least 10 feet away I don't care about the recommended guidance of six feet I don't want to be near you
1: it's pretty bad this is from Sting's Wikipedia oh God. the Wikipedia page I like
0: how that. you really just yell, yeah. <laughs> like dove no, into this, this is-
1: this is an issue near and dear to my heart. You're like, I'm
0: not going to let this go. We could pivot to talk about 2020, but instead no, I want to talk no, about the inappropriate no, no. Of the message of this song. I have one last <laughs> note.
1: This is from Sting himself in 1981. He had previously worked as an English teacher, and I quote, I wanted to write a song about sexuality in the classroom. I'd done teaching practice at secondary schools and been through the business of having 15-year-old girls fancying me and me really fancying them. How I kept my hands off them, I don't know. No. Then there was my love for Lolita, which I think is a brilliant novel. But I was looking for the key for 18 months and suddenly there it was. That opened the gates and out it came. The teacher, the open page, the virgin, the rape in the car, getting the sack, all that.
2: (laughs) Your face.
1: Oh my god, I wish. I wish we recorded video. Your face. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, friends. (laughs) So, so, Sting's upset. a Big fucking Creep, number one. I'm so upset. And this song is terrifying, number two. <laughs> Catchy as fuck, but terrifying. I'm so upset. Yeah. This is fucking terrible. Yeah. Anyway, it's my job to ruin various bits of media for people. It's my whole and entire life. It's what I went to graduate school for. You're welcome. <laughs>